All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. <sighs> and that sounded very strained. Um, stretching. <laughs> oh, good for you. This week, we are reviewing the classic John Wayne film, Sands of Iwo Jima. Uh, some of you might have noticed that uh, this is not the film that we promised you last week. Unfortunately, uh, our guests from the Civil Weird podcast had some uh, personal issues come up, so we're going to have to reschedule with them. Uh, but in the meantime, we're flip-flopping one John Wayne movie for another, so that's that's why you get this one, this this gem of a, of a film. So, Jack, as always, what'd you think? Man, The Beaches of Terror was a great movie. <laughs> yeah. At least a third of this movie was uh, was the Battle of Tarawa. Tarawa? I, had to ma- Tarawa. I had to make sure I wasn't watching the wrong movie at one point. Well, that's where they become battle-hardened. Yeah, of course. Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Which is hilarious because it's all... Uh, when you watch this movie, I don't know if you noticed it, but... Uh, when they land on the beach, there's this pillbox that's kind of like on a hill. And um, to me, it reminded me almost like a shot for shot remake, like Wind Talkers ripped off this film. Like, you know, when Nicolas Cage goes and like uh, tosses the like satchel charge into the bunker. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here. It's just John Wayne instead. It's a All it proves theme. is. You just have to be a PTSD grizzled sergeant in order to properly blow up a bunker. Yep. That's all you you also have to, you also have to wait for two or three people who, uh, I presume are wearing red shirts. This is a black and white film. So you have to wait for them to die first before the sergeant has to be like, I'll do it. Yep. It comes with the sacrifice of no less than two homies. Right. I found, I found his charge up the side of that bunker kind of hilarious because they, they like zoom in on the Japanese soldiers in that bunker. And you can see that they're like shooting the machine gun at him. And then like, you see him running up the side of this hill to get to the bunker. And right as he's running up the hill, they like immediately point to the other direction. Like they got distracted by something. And it's like, really guys, really, this is your explanation for why he made it up there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that dickhead with the coffee. Oh my God. That was, uh, that was quite something. I also love that, uh, John went like after, after the fact, he's like, you got one of my men killed, and he just like punches him in the face. It's like, really, this is this is all the punishment you get. But I wanted coffee. <laughs> and yeah, and then he so, does, he plays the whole empathy card afterwards. Like, I know it was a mistake. You're forgiven. Yeah the the hatred to forgiveness arc in this movie is really something. quite something. Yeah, I remember. I never really understood that scene because I've seen this movie quite a few times. Um, it was a it was one of my grandfather's favorites, so I uh, I grew up watching this film a lot. And I uh, the first VHS tape I ever had was actually Sands of Iwo Jima. Really? Yeah. Grandpa, it's... what's a VHS? <laughs> I'm joking. Shut up. Shut up, you're the VHS generation too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um can I take one brief second to mention now that we're on the topic of VHSs? So to all five of our listeners out there, one of my fondest VHS VHSs that I owned, I don't even think it had a name, but I for it was literally just a VHS of old school monster movie trailers. And that oh, shit I, thought, like, I thought you were going to tell me it was like scrambled porn or something. No, that was something else. But um, yeah, it was just this VHS of all these trailers from monster movies. 
and I can't for the life of me find it or remember what happened to it. And if anyone, if any five of our listeners know what I'm talking about, please feel free to message the official Armchair Commanders podcast and say, hey, this is it, preferably with a link, an Amazon right. link, if I may specify, or, you know, any, anywhere. I just want to know after all these years, I haven't seen it in nearly 20 years, but my God. Yeah, I, I played the shit out of that on a little VHS tiny TV. But <clears throat> yeah, anyway, you were saying. Oh, so when I, when I, saw the scene it never made sense to me the first half dozen times that i watched it because i was like one you're a kid and you don't appreciate no a good cup of coffee um so there's so that's one aspect of it i i only became a coffee drinker myself within the last like two years and i i went off like the deep end like (laughs) i went from i went from being not a coffee drinker to like drinking a pot of black coffee a day um so yeah that i i take great care of my body as you can tell um but so there's that aspect to it but also i was like what's wrong with just like i i truly didn't get the the amenity aspect of it because he's like i haven't had a cup of coffee since we left the ship and it wasn't until i was in about high school that I read this book, I, f- I forget the title of it, but uh, it was by, it was like a lieutenant or a captain who had served on Iwo Jima. And in this book it is the only time I've ever seen it been referenced before. But for this battle, they had to like ship in uh, water for it because there's not fresh water if I remember correctly, there's not fresh water on Iwo Jima. Um, so literally these cargo ships were carrying like pallets upon pallets of like pre-filled canteens and they would just like swap them out. And because, you know, World War II metal canteens don't have the same like air tightness that like a plastic water bottle does uh by the time these water bottles would get to iwo jima um and granted this scene happened in the battle of tarawa but i digress uh basically they they'd be like you know you ever left a glass of water out on your nightstand for a couple of days yes (laughs) okay you know after it's sat on your nightstand for a couple of days it kind of tastes like ass kind (laughs) of yeah same rancid ass sometimes it even grows a culture same principle and in this book uh this guy who fought in iwo jima talked about how what he used to do to like make the water palatable was put like hard candies into it oh that's smart yeah so it wasn't until I read that book that this scene clicked for me where I was like, oh, he's stoked on coffee because he's been drinking like ass water for a couple of days, you know? Yeah, I guess I'd be stoked too. And I'm not even a coffee drinker. That play I was in recently, the author of it gave me a gift of a bag of coffee that's flavored like blueberry cobbler. And I, I, I wasn't an asshole. I just accepted it. But I don't really like coffee. So I, instead, I re-gifted it to my mom, who straight up told me, oh, I'm not going to drink this. I'm just going to donate this. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> Blueberry cobbler, though, is a top-tier flavor, though. If I was a coffee drinker, I'd just down that. So... But no, I, I never got into coffee. It just makes me feel nauseous. I I like drinking enough coffee to the point that I uh, get like liquid poops. So yeah, it's forget what the, it's a laxative. Yeah, one of my favorite. So I have two brands that I really like. One is local, but I just treat it. it it's like a treat coffee for me. 
because it's kind of expensive um but it's called whiskey barrel coffee and basically the beans are roasted using wood that used to be whiskey barrels i see which is quite tasty uh the other one is there's a place out in oregon they're not our sponsors uh they could be they could be uh and actually a little sneak preview um i've actually been talking to the owner of this particular coffee brand and he's interested in coming on to uh review something with us uh so for the folks at home check out committee coffee out of uh oregon it's a great brand i have several bags of it in my my cupboard they're not our sponsor but i believe in the product they could be and i believe in the products so or at least i think they're out of oregon yeah so i think i think i'll take time to mention that this is canonically Cotton Hill of King of the Hill's favorite movie, Sands of Iwo Jima. Is it? I don't remember the episode, but I think it was Hank that mentions that this was his favorite movie and that he would always drive around Texas to try to find showings of it. Hmm. I just remember him being like, he always used to whip up a batch of mustard gas for VJ Day. <laughs> dad you know so much about hippies and how they're dealt with yeah my dad used to bring a cooler and lawn chairs to watch the riots <laughs> i can't fit him man hank or Bobby, hank's wife that was in my way sissy shed Pancakes, eggs, bacon, sausage, black waffles. Where are my waffles? <laughs> bacon, toast, both black. You got five minutes. <laughs> we called it jungle rice. Tasted fine. <laughs> Do you think yeah, Striker so- would be Cotton Hill if he had if he had survived the war? Yes, not a doubt in my mind. Which, uh, also, what do you think? This is one of, the, I, I think it's only like five or six films in all of John Wayne's career where he actually dies, and this is one of them. So, what a treat. Wait, how many does he die in? There's a very limited amount, like five or six films. I don't know the exact number, but it. I'm pretty sure it's single digits. Man, I feel honored. It was... Yeah. <laughs> and that one dude putting on his man pants afterwards like all right we're not out of the war yet set up i love just the just the sheer amount of like over the top like it's like i feel better than fine i feel on top of the world he <laughs> 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 just clutches his chest and falls over <laughs> Thanks, Captain uh, Foreshadowing. Just no subtlety. And that one dude that was like, oh, yeah, this is a picture of my wife that I have back home. And this is a picture of our new son. This In is a- Iowa, the state nobody cares about. This is a drawing of a bullseye I have on my head. <laughs> like, for, you, I was just sitting Iowa there like, peeps. you you dumb motherfucker for our iowa peeps i would like to state that i lived there for a bit so don't at me it's a terrible state and you know it ow <laughs> uh, our good buddy john is a recovering iowegian iowan no it's iowegian oh okay yeah yeah that's right back down <laughs> <laughs> I've got no dog in this fight. I consider myself a South Dakotan after I graduated. You Coloradite. <laughs> I refuse to be a Coloradan. Huh. I thought you were quite proud of your new mantle, Coloradite. No. I just I just work here, dude. Bro, I just work here. 
that's like saying to McDonald's employees proud to work at McDonald's. No, they do it for the paycheck. <laughs> and only then begrudgingly. Right? If the government wasn't paying me to be here, I wouldn't. Man. Yeah, I, I guess I was really surprised by how little Iwo Jima is actually in this movie. Don't get me wrong, yeah. Battle of Terror was cool and all. Right, but for a film called The Sands of Iwo Jima, it's uh, not actually that prominent part that that prominent of a part of the story and especially given the fact that the number of scenes that we actually have with our main characters on Iwo Jima are even fewer because this film relies so heavily on wartime footage because you know this is this film was produced in a time where like modern Hollywood filming technology was only a few steps above like other camera technologies available uh, so like they could get away with just taking wartime footage clips and inserting it which i appreciated to a degree because you can't be like oh this isn't realistic because it's actual combat footage but also there's points where you're just like okay this seems like time filler if anything yeah Got to pad out their own length. Got to go for authenticity. Right. It was kind of cool. There's a little fun fact that uh, uh, during the Tarawa battle scenes, there's a short little clip of some American soldiers firing their weapons, and you see Japanese soldiers running across this field. And I don't remember what battle that particular clip actually came from, but that was the first time that enemy infantry were caught on film as the same time as American troops. So it's the first time there's there's film where you have both American troops as well as Axis enemies ever filmed together. Interesting. Yeah. Just a little tidbit. But which <laughs> I love the the use of the vehicles in this movie because you know you could see that you know at the very beginning the movie's like thank you for the marine corps for all their support in making this film and you see them have all these awesome you know tanks and amphibious carriers and you're like man this is pretty dope um you know because you wouldn't really see something that good until you know the pacific miniseries again um but I was like, okay, we're using how much like original battlefield footage? Because I'm sure that was like a cost-saving measure. But it's like, we're using how much of this footage? And then we cut over to one of our primary characters standing behind a Sherman tank. And then it turns out it's a flamethrower Sherman tank. And it's like, how much money do they spend on this piece of shit? Like, <laughs> like is this... I, could, I couldn't find a rocket launcher, sir. <laughs> No, but I thought that was terrific. I, I thought the flight oh, yeah, was, was, was an awesome, awesome scene. It made me think of uh, the... We also had a great, like, just regular flamethrower operator scene in this movie also. And I don't know why Hollywood deems it necessary to always kill the flamethrower guy, but <laughs> happened again. They have a dangerous job. I just thought it would have been cool if, like, they had done, like, a side tangent. You know, we talked a few episodes ago uh, during The Longest Day with uh, one of our guests, Blake, uh, who's part of the Airborne Demonstration Team. Um, at the Battle of Iwo Jima, there was one Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, was it? Herschel Williams? Woody Herschel Williams? I gotta Google this. Herschel Woody Williams. Just got the order wrong. But he was a flamethrower operator, and he, he got a Medal of Honor, or he received a Medal of Honor, because he took out, like, a dozen pillboxes by himself. Like, he would 
get a flamethrower, go up, destroy a pillbox, run back to the beach, grab a new flamethrower, and just kept doing that throughout the entire day. And I think that would have been a cool, like, I think that would have been a cool cameo. In fact, I think it would have been cool if they got the actual uh, uh, Mr. Williams to come do it because he was the oldest living Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. Uh, until he passed last year, I think. Something like that. It was extremely recent. <clears throat> they could have died with him. Because if I'm not mistaken, they had quite a few oh, actual yes, I was... I- Iwo-, Iwo Jima vets as extras in this film. I was about to bring that up. Let's see. Um, a number of actual military personnel portrayed themselves. These included retired Lieutenant General Holland Smith, who was the 5th Amphibious Corps m- commander, and who also acted as a technical advisor. Colonel David M. Shoup, United States Mil- Mil- Marine Corps, God damn it, who received the Medal of Honor. Captain Harold G. Schreier, United States Marine Corps, who commanded the Marines on the Suribachi Slopes. Lieutenant Colonel... Lieutenant Colonel H.P. Crow, United States Marine Corps, again, who was a battalion commander on Tarawa. He was the man with the waxed mustache. And Private First Class Rene A. Gagnon, whatever. Private First Class Ira H. Hayes. And something I don't know, John H. Bradley. So wait, they got... Even though Ira Hayes was still alive at this time, they found somebody else to play him in this movie? No, he was in this movie. Oh, Ira Hayes actually was in this movie. Yes, he's in the list of people that were actual military personnel that betrayed themselves. Huh. That is, that's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, and this is a couple years before he died. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, he lived a very, like troubled life after the war yeah yeah so I had sad. a super derogatory johnny cash song named after him <sighs> yeah people just don't understand man what he went through and what he saw dare i sing it no you mayn't <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> for those for for those at home if you're looking there's a song about one of the flag of raisers Hayes. Of, yeah ballad of ira hayes it's about he was a flag raiser uh at iwo jima and uh it's not really uh culturally sensitive if you will but then again neither is this film yeah i was like like Obviously, we, we've touched on this, like, John, John Wayne was hardly a, uh, like, closet racist by any means. Um, oh, he was raging. Just, oh, yeah. It's just, I find it interesting how he takes his opportunities to say shit in films. I learned, I learned a new slur in this film that I had previously. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yes. And I'm saying this purely for educational purposes. Don't don't at me. But oh, no. in this in this film, John Wayne refers to uh, Japanese soldiers as lemon heads. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That was I was. <sighs> oh my I was, god! I almost spit my drink out. I was like, "What the fuck, John Wayne?" <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to ask Papa Jerry what that meant? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Man. I wasn't I wasn't going to ask it. I so I went and yesterday with Papa Jerry to an Air Force game. And uh because the Air Force Academy is about an hour south of where I live. And so I went with him and uh, one of his friends from the service who was basically like an uncle to me. And so we we had a great time. Air Force did a a great job. They crushed like 50 to 10 or something like that. Very entertaining game. But uh, 
we show up to the game and uh, I'm expecting us just to talk about the game or just, you know, random guy stuff. And, you know, these these two guys, they were in the same squadron together. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you remember that one time we were taking Tracer Fire over Panama? I'm like, what the fuck, Dad? <laughs> Old Papa Jer. So, yeah. He was already taking a trip down memory lane, and uh, I wasn't going to exacerbate that. Also, the 21st, motherfucker. Ah, uh, yes. That's when the Navy's taking on you fly, boys. I'm curious if this uh, this episode will even be out by that point. Yeah. <laughs> Mark my words, somehow a 1-3 in three team will beat you guys. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're going to beat the four and Air Force somehow. Yeah. <laughs> when is my trash talk ever come out false? Except the times that it did. I don't know. The other night when you were giving me shit when I was at the Rockies game. Hey, we won that game. I know you did. I was there. <laughs> I mean, you beat us today, but that's besides the point. You know, the only thing that matters is that you beat us on the fireworks night. <laughs> that's like yeah, the night that on. all the players bring their families in and they like set up lawn chairs out on the baseball diamond to watch the fireworks it's like yeah. way to lose in front of your girlfriends guys <laughs> do you want you want to place a bet on air force navy we can i do we can, i thought you'd never ask we should put up a little poll on our our instagram to see who's rooting for who and they're going to be Navy because our dear, dear, dear listeners are smart and intelligent and beautiful people. Okay. No shit. I think, so you're going with Navy, obviously. Clearly, yes. And I'm going with Air Force. Uh-huh. You want to know how about this to that goddamn Army fanboy? <laughs> I don't know how we would do that. Maybe deciding who gets the... Uh like the armed services trophy or something, but <laughs> how about winner gets to choose three movies in a row? Deal. All right. I was, I was hoping you wouldn't ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't ask somebody that's unemployed. <laughs> Boom. Give me shot. Un underemployed. But anyway, Hey, actually, the proper term is fun employed. <laughs> it, God, it's so like we're, we're renaming homeless people to unhoused. <laughs> Jesus. There was, I saw a comedian recently. He's like, your, uh, your homeless population is kind of, kind of spicy. Or I mean the, the unhoused population. He's like, they, they look so hip with their Patagonia jackets that they stole, but they'll still put their penis on all the street crossing buttons. <laughs> hip and with it. Whip it good. Okay, so... <laughs> I love that... Uh, when you watch this movie, I don't know if you caught it as much as I did, but there were so many things in this film... That I'm like, how many other films ripped off moments or scenes from this? Because we no, already no, talked. No, no, no. The director term is inspired by. Okay. Or took inspiration <laughs> from. Come on, it's like you've never seen a movie before. <laughs> right. Of course. So we already talked about the Nicolas Cage wind talkers, you know, satchel charging a <laughs> bunker. But, uh,. There was a moment where, you know, they're doing their, their training montage because, you know, you're going to need a montage. Of course. Montage. Montage. Even Rocky had a montage. Um, <laughs> and so they're, it's right after the, the montage and they're doing like the bayonet course. And John Wayne walks up to this guy who's fucking up the bayonet course and he's like, come at me. And he's like, with, with, without a sheath? And he's like, it won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like 
butt strokes him in the face. Jesus. And he's like, and he's, his response is like the dude falls to the ground, just writhing in pain. And then he just yells out, Gorman! And I'm like, holy shit, that's a Starship Troopers moment right there. Put your hand on that wall! <laughs> you cannot press a button when the hand is incapacitated. Medic! I think there's a moment like that in the movie Glory, too, where the sergeant just, like, beats the shit out of one of the soldiers who doesn't get bayonet drills really all that well. But we haven't reviewed that film, so... Yet. I'll see if... I'll pick uh, it when I win the bet. Okay. I was I was going to say I should see if uh, John from the Tattooed Historian wants to do that film with us sometime. Because he said that was, like, his second favorite Civil War film. Or was it his first? I don't know. I'll have to yeah. ask him. So, what was your, your favorite aspect of this film? Well, I liked how seemingly accurate it was. Again, I'm just an armchair commander, not a diehard historian. But it seems like they really knew what they were ca doing casting these people being a lot of them were actual corpsmen back in the day yeah they also see they they casted a lot of guys who look super young too which i appreciate minus john wayne obviously but who's who's your favorite character in this See, I want to say Stryker, but he's kind of an asshole. I, that's the point of his character, though. Yeah, I guess. Who is that guy that took up the mantle after he got or after Stryker got unceremoniously ganked? Oh, let me look it up. I'm sorry, I had trouble memorizing people's names in this. I had the same issue. I, I remember Helenopolis... Ta the Greek that died because that jackass wanted coffee. Where were you? Ooh, <laughs> 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 ooh, ooh. I do I do like um senior soil researcher John Dickhead when he was just pinned <laughs> down on the beach. And Why would we was... fight for this sandy place? It's so sandy. Nothing will grow here. Bang. <laughs> man like i get that he's under extreme duress and people do weird shit mentally then but come on man you're in an active war zone man he's 50 years too soon too early otherwise he would have been perfectly cast for anakin skywalker <laughs> oh yeah i didn't know hayden christensen was originally supposed to play him but he wasn't born yet so the uh, the character you were thinking of is uh, PFC Al Thomas. The one I loved how he like I love how he bitches about him like at the very beginning of the movie, or he bitches about Stryker in the movie. And uh, there's someone else that just like calls him out, and he's like, "Tell him why you didn't get promoted." And it's like that's not important. Uh, I. Uh, I liked Stryker's little toady, like the guy who was like team him. He's like, do you want to maybe not go out drinking tonight? And, <laughs> and John Wayne's like, ah, he'll be fine. Three minutes later, he's falling over. Just trashed. I like how his homies came through for him, though. Like, yeah, this guy's a dickhead. But the MPs are coming, so let's just act like we're having a nice little get-together among friends. Right. I think, I think that whole sequence and the sequences of them interacting, like being on shore leave, I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, especially with like the character of... Uh, The fuck was his name? 
Conway. That's right. Uh, you know, he's like being like a shitbox at this dance, and like a like a girl walks up to him. He's like, "Can I interest you in a dance?" He's like, "What does he say?" He's like, "Breeze away" or something. Just something very nineteen forties. Like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like glances up. He's like, oh, "She's." beautiful and like just instantaneously <laughs> falls in love and they like they dance two songs together and then it's like let's get married and <laughs> it all happens just so fast but it's it it seems comical to us and um it seems very hollywood and you know especially 1940s hollywood but i think it hits on you know kind of an interesting phenomenon during this war which is a lot of kind of really quick uh spur of the moment weddings because you have an entire okay. generate yeah you have an entire generation of 18 19 20 year old guys who are you know going to go off in the biggest war in human history and you know they they don't know what their fate's going to be so it, it really makes kind of sense, you know, like you said, fuck it, like makes perfect sense. You, you, you found a, a pretty girl that you can dance with and that's all the more you need. And then you come back and develop PTSD and beat your kids and, you know, hit your wife for burning the pot roast after the war. Ah, uh, romance. I know. It's a perfect Romeo Juliet story if I ever heard it. But I appreciate when war films do hit uh, aspects of the home front. Um, one scene that I that was kind of powerful for me um, was the scene where John Wayne goes home with the like they never outright say it, but she she's a prostitute, um, <laughs> and you know he. Like, I find it weird that John Wayne's character kind of plays it off. It's like, they get back to her place and she's like, oh no, I don't have enough money to go buy another bottle of whiskey. And he's like, oh, I see. Would 10 bucks help with that? And she's like, why, yes, it would. I'll be right back. <laughs> like, um, which, so I found it interesting from the first aspect that a Hollywood film in the 50s is acknowledging prostitution it's also acknowledging it if i'm not mistaken this is still haze code time frame i might be wrong but we might be Sounds on the tail end. Right. we might i think we're still on the tail end of haze code so even alluding to it is is kind of surprising to me but also just socially where you know that would be i mean even today it's still a very stigmatized profession so you know trying to imagine you know 1950s a 1950s audience going to the movies and seeing John Wayne go home with a hooker. Like, I'm just trying to imagine. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what yeah, the... Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> well, I know right. that shit probably happened in real life, but come, like, think about <laughs> it. Like, 1950s, like, like button-down, tucked-in shirt population be like, I'm going to go see a war movie. <gasps> John Wayne's with a hooker. Um... But it, it reminded me of, I read a book, it was a memoir of a guy who, he spent pretty much the entirety of his war experience in Pearl Harbor. He was a Navy salvage diver. And so the entire war, all he did was work on the sunken battleships that were in Pearl Harbor. Because it took like over a decade for them to get that place cleaned up. Um, really? I thought, I thought there was still wreckage around that they just never bothered or couldn't clean up. Well, there's there's two ships that are still sunk in Pearl Harbor, the Arizona and then the Utah, I think. But every other ship they got cleared out of there. Um because the 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 Arizona was just so mangled up that there was there's no way that they could uh refloat her. But in this guy's book, he talked about like, 
oh yeah, I'd get like a weekend pass and go to downtown Honolulu and there was a red light district and, you know, at a brothel, there would be a literal line of like a hundred guys. And like, when you finally walked in through the door, you'd pay your money and they'd be like, okay, you have two minutes on the stopwatch. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what, Jesus. But, you know, that's the, that's the side of, war that i think oftentimes gets overlooked but i think it's a it's a very powerful character you know when she's like there are worse things than you know having to go fight a war which alludes to the fact that you know her basically this character we get her only for like a couple of minutes but we find out her husband's dead she has a kid that she's struggling to feed and Basically, her only way of making ends meet is by going into town every night and bringing some soldier home and trying to, you know, you know, selling her body for a part of their paycheck. And I think that's a it's a it's a heavy moment for an America. Fuck yeah. Type of film. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't a big fan of that scene. It just drugged too long long on too long and oh I yeah just, I, I mean was just, i was just thinking to myself don't you guys have another island to capture <laughs> see like, i maybe, i agree it did one, went on one called iwo jima <laughs> right i will agree the scene did drag a little bit especially with john wayne playing the like the moral high ground of like i ain't going to sleep with no prostitute with a child you take care of the child here's twenty dollars like pilgrim. shut up <laughs> pilgrim <laughs> as much as i i mock john wayne i am i am a fan of his films i i do enjoy him as an actor he's just you know he's person. he's very much the product of his times yeah he um really didn't like natives no no he didn't maybe that's why he starred in so many westerns i get to pretend to kill them yeah oh boy a lot to unpack a lot to unpack what was i gonna bring up yeah like getting back to the whole haze code thing this kind of does seem like a Hayes Cody movie with not a lot of blood when they get shot, stabbed, and blown up. They just do that 40s the, flop. Like, the 40s flop where they'll like clutch their chest and be like, <laughs> Which again, I'm full I'm not fully expecting gore. No, but can we at least get like a ketchup packet? Yeah. <laughs> now did you watch this in black and white or color black and white that's that's the way to do it it's it's the only option i had (laughs) yeah amazon only had the the black and white so the vhs tape that i got from my grandfather was actually a colorized remaster of it from like the 80s or 90s so i've i've had the the pleasure of viewing it in both and uh I don't know the 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 black and white version just seems more crisp, if you will. Something yeah. something about the colorization of those films kind of doles it out a bit. Yeah, John Wayne himself didn't like colors. Sorry, <laughs> I just had to. <laughs> I thought you were going to say colors. No, <laughs> you still got the joke I was going for, though, didn't you? Oh, I definitely, I definitely got it. It's funny because he was racist. (laughs) (laughs) He died of cancer. Suspected from a bomb test that he was filming nearby. Or maybe it was the three packs a day smoking or the binge drinking, but. Or the steak dinner every night. One of them. Or a combination thereof. Man, there's regardless, some... regardless, he wasn't built to last forever. No, I'm surprised he made it as far as he did. 
Um, that being said, he's still, for as problematic as he was as an individual, like we, we got to give him props in the fact that he did, he is a very unique actor. Like he is very much, you know, he is his own genre of film. And I think that's impressive to accomplish something like that. Yeah. The Duke. The Duke. I love when you go to Walmart, there's there's always like four or five like Ultimate John Wayne collection box set. And it's just different because he was in like 150 some films and they just put on a DVD like six popular films and it's just like a different rotation of this of like a dozen films like it's always like the shootest big jake stuff like that yeah a lot of westerns in world war ii movies i was going to say john wayne's service record from world war ii is astounding because we've already seen him command a squadron of flying tigers now he's fought on iwo jima uh the film we're going to watch well, that's Civil War, never mind. But he's like a Navy Admiral in another film. <laughs> it's just just kind of all over the place. He was everywhere. He was a, a commander of the airborne troops in Normandy. Like, how did he have so much time? Where did he find the time? Man, yeah, he was everywhere during World War II. I'm surprised. Realistically speaking, John Wayne is Cotton Hill. Because if you think about Cotton Hill's storyline, he's like, I've been a Nazi's windpipe in half at Anzio. I snuck into a Japanese supply line on Okinawa and I hibachied the whole squad with their sake. <laughs> yeah. <I> just... <laughs> a Tojo he's... balloon bomb took out our ship. He's Cotton Hill, except A, he never actually served, and B, he still had his shins when he died. What did you think about that, like them re immediately pulling the letter out of his pocket and starting to read it out loud a kind of an invasion of privacy not gonna lie well i love and the fact I, we they're like i probably i probably should have should not read this continues <laughs> to read it i'll yeah, finish like, it i knew him best of all shut up you dick you just wanted an excuse to read his private mail which i was going to bring out that's the equivalent of reading out your buddy's browser history the second he dies like his body's still fucking warm and you're reading out this to everybody <clears throat> when and yeah it was it was here we learned that he had a wife and kid oh we, we learned it earlier when um, that was like scene one dude you think like, I remember a... that? Yeah, I expect it. It's the reason he drinks. You know I don't watch movies. Oh, shut I'm the kidding. fuck up. <laughs> Joking. But yeah, I clearly don't remember that. But it was not... in that case, it was a callback to scene one. And, and yeah, just that that other montage of them Walk, not walking up, but walking to Mount Suribachi, where every now and again a Japanese soldier would pop out of a bush or behind a rock or something, stab okay. one of them, and then get hot shot himself. Right. It's like jump, <laughs> then, it's like nineteen nineteen fifties jump scare. Yeah, and that one that bum rushes Striker with the katana, and that other dude just hawks a fucking shovel at him, and it works. <laughs> Oh boy. I'm curious uh, if the flamethrower tank is the reason the music budget on this was so low, but my God, I, I get it. This is supposed to be, you know, this is done with the support of the Marine Corps. It's supposed to be very pro America, pro Marine Corps, 
America, fuck yeah type film. It's about one of the most, you know, famous events in Marine Corps history. But can we not have the Marine Corps hymn as two thirds of our music selection? Well, what else would you need? I, I don't know. I'm just, it's like training sequence, Marine Corps hymn, fast paced, upbeat, fuck yeah. To They're the about shores to... of Tripoli. We're about to land on Iwo Jima, like a very slow, sad version of the Marine Corps hymn. Like <laughs> we're going to show apprehension through this song. <laughs> Just imagine like John Wayne plowing some hooker to it. <laughs> <laughs> to the shores yes. of Tripoli. <laughs> here's a oh, silver dollar so he, john wayne is who you're named after right <laughs> shut up oh right your name is spelled wrong without the age yeah 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 you <laughs> i'm i'm joking your your way is clearly the right way it's more efficient that way it is more efficient. I'll have to waste my time using the letter H. You know what makes me mad is when I see somebody with the name Jonathan with two H's. Yeah, I, I imagine. J-O-H-N-T-H-A-N. Like, why? It's just redundant is what it is. Fail-proof is what you mean. <laughs> Oh, boy. So what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Vita Ice, whatever that is. What is a Vita Ice? I don't know, but it's orange mango flavored. Um, Vitamin-fused, naturally flavored sparkling water, zero sugar, vitamins, and antioxidants. Sounds yummy. It's not bad. How about you? I almost chose just doing like a straight glass of scotch or something because that that was a uh, striker's go-to drink but I was like I don't I don't have the yeah <laughs> I the got mental fortitude tomorrow. <laughs> yeah I was like I don't have the mental fortitude for that at the current moment so I'm doing my good old classic of uh sailor sailor Jerry's rum and hell yeah with a with a wedge of lime sailor Jerry's they're not our sponsor they probably shouldn't be. But they could be. They could be. Sailor Jerry, I love your product. Like legitimately, I have so much of like I have so much of your branded shit in my man cave. Uh so yeah. I I'm giving you free ad time right now, but I expect a phone call here in the future. <laughs> Damn right. Man, I would shit my pants if Sailor Jerry actually sent me a message. <laughs> so yeah is, is it time yeah i think it's it's time to to rate this film iwo hima as peggy hill would say iwo hima <laughs> yeah it makes me cringe too admittedly a great episode though oh very great just she was particularly infuriating even more so than usual what do you think our uh our custom rating should be what was it what uh, and, uh let me fucking um i say either wink wink nudge nudge hookers or bourbon glasses Well, if you've got Wait, a better idea, let's hear it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, I did have a better idea. So we'll, uh, let's do, let's do also, wink, wink. I got to admit, I didn't catch that the first time. I thought it was just particularly egregious 40s flirting, but it just goes to show how daft I am, I guess. Nah. <laughs> Would you like to pay me to have sex with you? What did she mean by that, John? <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe it's because you he called. He you called can the, do that. <laughs> he, 
Maybe it's because he called the $10 bill a sawbuck. Maybe that's why you missed it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I've been buying him dinner this whole time. <laughs> Anyways, um, I give this um, four wink, wink, nudge, nudges out of five. Four out of five? Yeah, my own gripe, my biggest gripe with it is that the, I didn't feel we spent enough time on Iwo Jima. No, that's, Don't get me that's... wrong, Terra was cool and shit, but... Oh, yeah. I think, I think I'm all, I'll do four wink, wink, nudge, nudges, and then one name tag on the America map board at the bar. Oh yeah, that I was checking, and there's there was a cut. There was like two in Sioux Falls and three in Rapid City, but none in Pier. I'm from Tennessee, and these are all my cousins on my dad's side, and these are my cousins on my mom's side. <laughs> my town's the number one fertilizer producer in America. Uh, I wanted to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so yeah, four wink, wink, nudge, nudges, and one name tag. Yep. All right. Is that what you give it? Yeah. Let us see the Rotten Tomatoes. So, this has a 100% on the tomometer and an 80% on the audience score. That's what my vote is. But um, I'd say it's more closer to 85%, personally. I would agree with the audience score on this. I'm genuinely curious how the powers that be at Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> allowed this 100% rating like i'm not one of those guys that are like oh they said racist things in a 1950s film like yeah no shit like but also maybe we don't give it a 100 percent rating based on today's standards because of it you know what i mean like like i'm smart enough to realize that this is a sliver in time but you know constantly moving forward and progressing and whatnot yeah yep oh well well anywho uh next week is your turn before we uh have a little hiatus where you're going to be gone to greece you know we don't have to have a hiatus you can find another person to take over for me if you really need to Oh, we have one episode scheduled while you're gone, but I'll talk about that next week. Don't worry. I know how expendable you are. <laughs> you're so nice. All right. Let so me... what, what's, your, what's your choice? Hmm. Don't I, 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 I'll think of one. I'll think of one. Should I put up the, you know, the I Jeopardy really theme music? Wait. Wait, it's October, isn't it? October 1st. Let's do some spooky shit. Overlord. You want Overlord? Damn Skippy, I do. It's horror. Do you want Overlord or do you want Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer? Hmm, actually. I haven't seen an Overlord. But let me see. You know what? Yeah, I pick Overlord. Actually, I think Blake was going to do that with us in the future. You just don't want to watch Overlord, do you? I am trying to be cognizant of... You know what? Fine, Overlord. No, you got it. Well, no, if Blake is going to pick it, then I don't want to. Um, fine, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I haven't seen that since 2016 anyway. I've never seen it, so... This is going to be our... Wait, is this going to be our first documentary on this channel? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> hey, fuck you. Yes, it is. So, well, you heard it here, folks. We will be doing Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter next week. And uh, keep your eyes peeled because... We will be having a bonus reel come out in the time frame of Halloween with uh, another guest of ours that has been on previously. Comic book artist Reed Beeman uh, has chosen a spectacular film, which will be a secret for now. But just keep your eyes open around Halloween for it. 
Haha. Well, I, I got I got nothing else. Okay. Well, if you guys enjoy the show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We'd greatly appreciate a follow, like, heart, whatever. Uh, we also have a Discord server set up, same name as our Instagram and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel called History Prentice, where we have all of our episodes listed, as well as my own individual shenanigans in the world of history. So go ahead and check that out. Um, if you have nothing else until next time, I've been John and I'm Jack and we will catch you next week. Bye.